1 to 12. I think it's on, I think we have that on the, it says this, a few days later when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some man came carrying, bringing to him a, a paralyzed man carried by four men. Since they couldn't get in to see Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man had, was lying on. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Sir, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? So I just want to stop here for a second. I want to just give some... I don't do the three-point message, you probably noticed. So I'm going to quickly give you like eight points, and then we'll just move on. The first point is that we get to bring people to Jesus. This is not a burden. I mean, if you would ask any angel what they miss the most or would love to do the most, they would say, I wish I could share Jesus with somebody and see them receive Jesus into their lives. I bet you each one of us are going to be asked when we get to heaven by an angel, what's it like to share Jesus with somebody? Because that's our job and that's our privilege and we get to do it. And so I want to encourage you, if you've not done it, to, to just ask Holy Spirit to lead you to someone. Because once you do once, you will never be the same. I can still remember the first guy that I led to the Lord. Actually, I was preaching in a church in Saskatoon, and I was not expecting anybody to get saved that morning. I just wanted to get through the message. And he got saved, and I was just blown away. And it changed my life radically. The next thing is everyone has a need. Ask God to reveal the need in the person that you're trying to lead to Christ. Everyone has a crisis that they're going through. Crises are awesome. Crises is when people realize that they're on the ground, they have nowhere else to go, and they're ready to cry out to God or they're ready to yell at God. But either one is a great opportunity. When Jesus would walk along, he would ask his father, show me the need, show me the need. There's a guy up at the tree. That's really odd. Thank you, God. I'm going to his house for supper. I don't care who he is. You're, you just pointed him out to me, God. I'm going to his house for supper. All my disciples will hate me. Everyone in this world will hate me because I'm going to that guy's house for supper. But I'm going there because, God, you called me. As you're walking through life, continue to ask, God, where is the person? Where is the need? What's going on? And the very thing that you might be most disgusted about in our world might be the thing that God's calling you to go and say, go walk in there with the love of Jesus Christ. Show him a different way. Show them how much God loves them. Show them how much you love them. The next thing that we learn from this is often it takes more than one person. Don't do this in secret. It might take a lot of different people. Like at Next Step Ministries, we have a lot of really dedicated people that sacrifice. They really sacrifice a lot in order to just love people. We don't care about the results. We just care about loving the person because our calling is to love them and to lead them to a relationship with God. And so I want to encourage you, or, or build a team, or get together with other Christian neighbors. Have that barbecue. Be those people. Learn when the, your neighbor's going in for surgery, whatever it is. 
but get more people involved too. That's why our small groups, I mean, sitting in a small group reading the same scripture verse over that we've already known for 20 years and we're doing the same thing over and over, I mean, that's insanity. Doing the same thing over, expecting different results. Bring them to your small group. Let them hear testimony that's happening in the small group, how you are being transformed because of the love of God, how you are trusting God through your stuff, how you are going through pain, but you're so what does God do in that pain? What is God doing in your life or an area of sin? Confess your sin before one another. There's nothing more beautiful than going to a, a meeting where people are literally confessing their sins and saying, hold me up, brothers, I'm falling. Hold me up. Rather than just talking about this, you know, the, it's too hot or too cold outside or, or whatever. Go, go, go deeper. Go, go right in there. People are looking to see if God is real. I, I, sometimes I'm looking to see if God is real. Let's do it together. Let's find them together. God's not playing hide and seek. He wants to be found. But people want to know that this is real and that you actually have something there. Doesn't mean you're perfect by no means. In fact, People relate more to our pain than they relate to our gifts. When we go through pain, people watch to see how we do it. When others go through pain, I watch to see how they're doing, and I'm just mesmerized when they just trust God right through it, and it encourages me. So, so get more people. Pick people up from where they're at. The guy was lying on the ground, <laughs> paralyzed. These guys got a mat and left them lying there. But they, 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 didn't, they didn't say, well, you shouldn't be there. You should be at the meeting. Don't you know Jesus is in town? Didn't you get a ticket? Oh, no, all the religious people have the tickets. You can't, can't get in. And, and they, you pick them up, and Jesus always comes to wherever we're at. So I don't know where you are spiritually. Don't expect other people to be there either. In fact, sometimes I find that these broken women are way further ahead spiritually than I am. Something happened in the pit when they were in jail and they got thrown into the, the dark place where all you have is a little light and a Bible. Something happened. They opened that Bible and they found God. And their faith in God is so real because he met them right, right there. So don't assume where people are, whether they're below or above. Like I mean, we're all on a journey. None of us are deeper than the next person unless God reveals himself deeper to us. So really be encouraged. Don't think that people need to be here. If they think differently, and people will, People come with a whole mess of funny uh, faiths and things that they will do, but then they think we're really strange. I mean, think about it, coming into church and singing about the blood of Jesus, wash it over me. Like, that's really strange, right? Like, so just be, pick people up where they're at, and they'll be amazed that you love them even though where they're at. Because a lot of people think they have to get to a certain place or dress a certain way or remove some tattoos, or whatever it is, before they can come to God or to church. And it's really, really important that we just pick them up wherever they are. Get used to facing obstacles. I mean, if you're facing obstacles and you're ready to give up, you're all, you may be just around the corner from your miracle. Don't give up right there. I mean, expect obstacles. Can you imagine? Like when we find these women, I bet you Satan never thought that anybody was going to look for them. He has them, and they're going to hell. He has them. There's nobody going to care about these people. We come along. We can expect that we're going to be attacked. We can expect that there's going to be obstacles. And sometimes we've got to break the rules or go against things. And I'm not saying break the law, but I'm saying sometimes we have to go against things in order to make things right. In this case, the guys had to go around. The people in the church were blocking people from coming to Jesus. I don't know if there's a greater sin than that. 
but they were blocking people from coming to Jesus because they didn't believe in him. These were the religious leaders. May we never, ever be those people that block people from coming to Jesus, that we make room always for those new people, whatever it is. Be creative. God's so creative. Ask God for creativity. I mean, when those guys got there, they could have just said, oh, it's full. I guess, we, I guess he wasn't meant for us to bring him to Jesus. But they went up on the roof. And I can just imagine if someone today, if this place was packed, and maybe one day it will be, and, and we go against, they didn't have fire rules, they didn't have all these rules and regulations that we have today. Can't hardly do anything anymore. So it's just completely packed. They can't get to the front. Now someone starts breaking through the roof. I guarantee someone's calling 911 getting the police over here to arrest those people. I mean, who do they think they are? This is our building. We paid for it. I've got a seat here. Right? But not, not Jesus. <laughs> In fact, I think this whole thing was a setup. I think Jesus knew these guys had enough faith to bring that guy there that day and that they were going to do something radical to get him before Jesus. And he wanted the religious people to see that God was God and God was alive and that Jesus was who he said he was. And he wants to continue to do that in our lives. But sometimes we're going to have to do things and people aren't going to like us very much. We have lots of people that don't like us. In fact, one guy said he was going to take me to court because we talked to one of his girls from him because he says I'm ruining his business. I said, okay, we'll see you in court. <laughs> like, that's how messed up our world is. They think that actually selling women and using them or watching them is, is legitimate. So, but I want you to be creative. What, what is it? Like, I have, my mother, that's probably why I'm like I am. She, she's like in an old, like she was in a high-rise building. She was on the 10th floor. She had to move in there from a, from a, a house. And it was really, really hard because she loved gardening and meeting all the neighbors and all this kind of stuff. And when she moved in there, she's just kind of like, well, everybody just goes straight to their room. How do I meet people? How do I share Jesus with people in this place? And she realized that everybody took the elevator. Now, she was about 85 at this time, so I went there to visit her. We're riding the elevator, and she knows everybody, and everybody knows her, and they even knew me and what I did in Calgary. And when she would hear a need, so someone's not doing well, she'd bring them chicken noodle soup. I said, what number are you in? She'd go up to her room, make some chicken noodle soup, go and, and, and bless them with it. Or she'd bring a pie, or she'd, be, she'd, she'd bring the grandkids little gifts or whatever, but she'd ride up and down that elevator, and she would do it sometimes just to meet people so she could share Jesus with them. There, there's no limits. God is not a... He can create something wherever you are, whoever you are, wherever you're working, wherever you're living, where, any circumstance, He can do it. There's always going to be a cost. I'll tell you that right now. When you serve Jesus, there's, there's, there's always a cost. It could be financial, likely will. <laughs> and I know people don't like it when they have to give their money. Um, it's always going to be time. Always. And not the time when we want it to be. It's going to be like when we're having... Our, our little gatherings or something. All of a sudden, you're going to be driving maybe to church in the morning. You see someone with a flat tire, and you're praying to God, God, please show me someone with a need, and you're off to church. You just drove by it. <laughs> you see, we got to put some different eyes on. Maybe the guy at the Mac store. Maybe you go to the Mac store every single time or a co-op to get your gas so you can get to know the guy that, that's behind the till so that you can get a relationship with him so that you can one day share Jesus with him. I don't know where it is, but we always rub shoulders with people. Let's do it on purpose. 
uh, it's always going to be sacrifice. And if you hear someone saying, oh, man, like, yeah, they, they called me again. Just go like, oh, it's awesome. You got to sacrifice for Jesus today. Isn't it awesome you get to do that? You get to miss the Stampeders crushing the riders tonight and go and serve God. That's tough. Or whatever it is that you like. Maybe you have to miss a survivor one night to go out and serve Jesus. I don't know what it is. But, but let's be creative. I don't know what this community is like or who this community is or what the needs are in this community. But I'm sure there's lots of them. There's opportunity here. Like the daycare here. That's, you know, like great opportunity. I know lots of churches that are busy all day long with groups coming in, but not one of their church members knows any of the people in the groups. Wow. And you're just getting, you're ripping them off. You're just getting money. They need Jesus and you're taking their money and not giving them Jesus. You see, we have to be creative. Bring cakes to the 12-step meetings. I don't know what you have in your different groups or whatever. Be the one to be the, the one to, at work to celebrate life or celebrate something or pray with somebody or go to the hospital and meet them. Just, just, we just have to be more creative and see what God sees. Sacrifice. You might have to be with people you don't like. You might have to smell a lot of Lysol and stuff like that and give them a hug and pray with them. And you almost might be puking or you might be thinking, well, this person did this or this person lives this lifestyle and here I am. What if people see me with this person? There's nothing more interesting than going for coffee with a homeless person that really looks homeless in a well-established restaurant. If you ever want to feel what it feels like to be hated by our society, you will feel that. But it's good for us. It's good for us to understand that, 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 that we can walk with people and love them no matter who they are or what they do. Also, um, they might let you down. I always get a kick out of people that give us donations and then our women get them and then they sell them. <laughs> and people get really ticked off and I'm like... God never said that they won't rip us off. Like, Jesus got ripped off all the time. Like, they drank all his wine. What's up with that? Right? Like, it's just like, we're not going to ever, if, if you are in the business of, of, of thinking that you own anything on this earth and God wants it for the kingdom, I would suggest giving it to him for the kingdom. Your home, I don't know what it is. What is it that you hold dearly to? I would suggest that you use that for the kingdom of God. Next, Jesus seems to like it when we act in faith. I find it interesting that he says, it was the faith of the four fellas, or maybe it was women, four people that carried him in. Jesus said, I saw your faith, his sins are forgiven. That really messes me up. How can you say that, Jesus? Like, he has to ask for forgiveness. How could their faith... There's something about when the Spirit of God is present that things don't make any sense. And when the kingdom of God comes, it doesn't make any sense. But when Jesus says it's so, it's so. <laughs> and if he decides he wants to add a little bit. But what I found even more interesting was that Jesus isn't so concerned with our physical beings as he is with our spiritual beings. And now I wrestle with this one a little bit because my son and daughter, their whole ministry is healing ministry. They go out on weekends, they go to the park, they go to the malls, they sit with people and they pray over them for healing. And they've seen healings and different things like that. But I wrestle with this because 
I believe that it's our spiritual condition that God is, 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 is worried about and concerned about. And why do I say this? Is Because Jesus said, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Someone that's concerned about you being able to see really, really well wouldn't say that. But somebody that's really concerned about where your spiritual condition is would say that. I don't think Jesus, well, I'm not going to say he doesn't care about our healing. <laughs> He's concerned about our healing, and maybe we're more concerned than he is. But he wants us to be spiritual, right? And so I want to encourage you, as you're walking with people, look for those moments when you can share the good news of God with them, the love of God, how you trust God, why the Bible is important, what prayer is all about. It's, it's, it's a great opportunity. Sometimes after I pray with people, the ladies will say, can you teach me how to pray that prayer? I'll say, yeah, look at this. It's in the Psalms. It's right here. Just put your name in those little spots. That's it. You've got it. You can fight for yourself. So, so learn how to do this in practical ways. Um, and Jesus that forgives, it's Jesus that forgives and heals, so we don't have any pressure. All we're asked to do is when Jesus shows us an opportunity is to go to that opportunity and say, okay, God, now what? What do you want me to do? I'm ready to do whatever you want me to do and begin to do that in that situation. So you have to have a, a, a good relationship with God where you can see what's happening uh, and hear what's happening. And so you walk into that situation. But understand, it's not us that heals. One of the biggest dangers in our ministry is that people get attached to us. And when they're with us, they're strong. When they're not with us, they're not strong. Same thing with parenting. It's not us up to be parents for all, our whole lives. We have to send them on off to God, and we hope that they trust God enough that, that they can live their lives without us. But it's more important that they have a good relationship with God than a relationship with us as parents. But so often our grief is more around their financial situation, their education, their health, their all this. The most important dimension that Jesus wants us to address is our spiritual dimension. And if that's in place, then go after all that other stuff. But your spiritual position is so important. As individuals and then as we share Jesus with others. Our faith in Jesus plays a huge role in others finding Jesus and healing. It says that their faith healed the paralyzed. The paralyzed man had to believe and he had to get up. So Jesus doesn't, sometimes Jesus does strange things, like he will, he'll help people, but in this situation, he looked at the man and he said, now get up and get off your mat. Interesting that he says that because if you have ever been paralyzed and you're lying on a mat, and we don't know how long this guy's been on a mat, maybe his whole life, and that's his whole life. He lo it's not like he loves this life. That's all he knows. He's lying on the mat. He doesn't know there's anything different. He's seen other people walk, but he's never walked. And now Jesus says, get up. That takes a lot of faith. It takes almost more faith to walk in the healing than to be healed. And I believe a lot of us have been healed from a lot of different things. We just haven't walked in it. So Jesus said, get up. And why did he do that? So that others would believe that he could, that he could forgive sins. You see, everything comes back to that. His miracles weren't so that people would go, oh, this guy's really awesome. Let's go to this freak show tonight. We're going to see arms grow. We're going to see uh, leprosies healed completely. No, Jesus always did it to give glory to God. And I want to encourage you to give glory to God with your life. The last thing I want to say is when you 
live out your life like this, you get to experience God and you get to share what God's doing. It always irks me when people share their testimony and they go back to, well, like when I, like 10 years ago, it's like, no, your testimony is what is happening today, right now, with your walk with Jesus. You can't live off of your old, old testimonies. What you want to live off of is what is God doing today? Who is God bringing you into your life today? What are you involved with today? How is God working? What is he, how is he shaping you? There's nothing better than when I can share with the women that I need to forgive them for something that I did in their lives. When I didn't trust them or believe them. Because sometimes you get jaded. You hear these stories over and over, and I've heard this story before, right? We don't trust, but when you ask for forgiveness. So I want to encourage you. It's, it's within our own life that we will be able to be this witness. And lastly, I want to go back to that verse I read in the beginning. It says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. That's what Jesus is talking about. So I want to encourage you today. Like this may be just one person that you know, that's on your mind, that you know, that you are walking with. It doesn't have to happen that this person comes to Jesus today, tomorrow, or even in your lifetime. It just means that we are faithful to that calling of that one person. I often ask the question, who's more important, Billy Graham or the guy that led Billy Graham to Jesus? Without that character, whoever he is, Mr. Nobody, without him, there would have never been this huge ministry that happened. And so you don't know who it is that you're to lead to God. And oftentimes, and you might agree with this or not, it's the hardest people to reach are the ones in our own family. And that's why we need more than one person. That's why the four people outside the family to get involved. I know when our kids were growing up, I, I was so thankful for a community of people that would let our kids hang out at their house, influence them, talk to them, teach them, mentor them. Because I could say this one, something a million times and someone else says it once and they're like, they're the smartest people in the world, right? And all I can go is, yeah, they're really smart, <laughs> Right? But, but sometimes we get too intense with our own family, too. We just want them to change, or, or, or they cause us to just really get all riled up, and, and we're not much of a witness anyway then. So I just want to encourage you. That's why we need the church. That's why we need this small group. We need to disciple people to be able to go out. So I don't know where you are, this, this you know, where you work or anything like that. I, I know where you work. <laughs> That's the only one, right? But I want to just pray a prayer to close today that you would that the Holy Spirit would just open up your heart to exploring with God who it is that God wants you to reach. Or what is the ministry or that you would want to come alongside? Or what is the thing that you need to start? Like honestly, when we started this, we just wanted to help people. We didn't want to create a ministry. We didn't want to have a board to be accountable to. We didn't want to, you know, send things to the government and all these kind of have them looking over our shoulders and all these things. All we wanted to do was help people. But I really believe God's got a place for each one of you. I mean, if you know how to cook, you're valuable at Next Step Ministries. Because most of our women have never learned how to cook when, when you're on the street. You don't know how to cook. If you know how to clean, if you know how to do laundry, you'd be valuable to me. But you'd be, you're very valuable in a lot of different places. If you have two years and you know how to use them and you're a listener, you're really valuable in the kingdom of God. 
the number one need in all of Calgary, at the University of Calgary, they did a survey, and it was that people needed someone to listen to because loneliness is the number one need. I mean, it's not like we have to have a, have a great degree or all these kind of things. We just need to be available and allow Holy Spirit to work in our lives. So I just want to encourage you. And I can hardly wait. Because you know what? When the two churches get together and all this kind of stuff happens and all these things are going to happen, I really think that if we are available for God to do this, it won't take long and we're going to see, like we're going to have regular baptisms. We're going to have regular times where we need to disciple people. And, and you know what? Us older people... We're going to have a place in this place because we need to mentor the younger ones. Not critique them or say that they're doing everything wrong, but to mentor them because we've seen almost everything. We've done everything sometimes the wrong way or screwed up or whatever, but we can just say, well, what about this or what about that? Or let me pray with you or let me come with you. Let's go to this because you know what? We're living in a world where we can't do uh, reaching the world the same way we've always done it. And most of us that are 40 or 35 and over, we have no idea how to reach this younger generation. Absolutely none. And we need the younger generation. We need the Holy Spirit to somehow unite the young and the old to work together, but at the same time use the things of the world that are there today that we don't understand at all, that we're actually afraid of a little bit. So I just want to encourage you today. Let's put our compassion. Let's put our, you know what, that's right. We should be doing that to let's do it. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for today. I thank you that, that we get to serve you. And you know, Lord, sometimes if we look at our schedules, there's no room for you in our schedules. And yet, if we look at our schedules a different way, everything we do can include you. So there's lots of room for you. Lord, I just pray that out of today, that we would realize, first of all, that you love us, that you forgive our sins, that we are so blessed. But beyond that, God, that we actually have the privilege of walking out into this world now and meeting the people that we rub shoulders with and we get to be the hands and feet of Jesus to them. So today, Lord, wherever these people go, whether it's to work, whether it's in their home, whether it's that they're, they're uh, on holidays, uh, they might be going camping for a week, what greater opportunity, Lord, to sit around and go through the campground and talk about life together with other people. Lord, help us to be a light in this world. Help us to know that the Christian life is not mundane. It's not boring. It's not, well, I'm just on cruise control. But God, you want to challenge us. You want, to, we, you want us to experience you. You want us to get involved in things that we can't do unless you come through. And so today, Lord... Today, Lord, we're lowering ourselves down before Jesus, just like they did that paralyzed person. And we're saying, God, heal us. Allow us to get up and walk into Calgary and be a witness to the rest of Calgary. Just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.